I don't always do seasonal things on the podcast because I know some of you listeners are listening months or weeks, maybe even years after these are recorded. But I knew that this episode was going to drop right before Father's Day, so I decided I really wanted to talk about Father's Day. And I think it applies whether you're listening to this in June or whether you're listening to it at another time. Today's guest shares her story of losing her dad when she was a teenager in college and how God has reclaimed and repurposed in her life to bring her to a place with a relationship with a stepdad who she calls a second gift. So as we think about how our circumstances don't always end up the way we had originally hoped, God always brings hope in the midst of them. You're listening to Life Repurposed, where you'll find practical biblical wisdom for everyday living, creative inspiration, and helpful resources. Grow your faith, improve your relationships, discover your purpose, and reach your goals with topics to encourage you to find hope amid the trashy stuff of life. Thanks for joining me today. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn. I'd like to introduce you to Gina Stinson. She invites you to reclaim every day for God's glory. Gina is a pastor's wife, a mom of two teenagers, and she's also an author. Her first book is Reclaimed, The Stories of Rescued Moments and Days. She's featured in several anthologies, and she also writes regularly for Lifeway's Journey magazine for women. You can find Gina sharing the good news of Jesus coupled with humor and hope on social media or her website, ginastinson.com. Let's jump into our conversation. We actually rescheduled a couple of different times, and Gina and I are both fans of words that begin with R-E, like repurposing and reclaiming. So rescheduling just kind of fit right into that. (laughs) Yes, very much. And it wasn't Gina's fault. Her internet went out because of a storm. So I just want to make sure people know that, Gina, you're not like a chronic rescheduler. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to know, since we both share the love for repurposing things, how long ago did that start for you? Probably the first time I can remember was I was probably eight or nine years old and was playing Barbie dolls. And my mom and dad were not really um, excited about spending money on Barbie furniture or the Barbie house or anything like that. So um, I would take my brother's Lincoln logs and repurpose them uh, to outline the house for the Barbies. <laughs> and then different little trinket boxes would be furniture or um, uh scrap fabric for my mom's sewing would be rugs or clothes or whatever. But um, I can remember, you know, that was probably one of the first times of making uh, do with what I had and being creative with things that um, had another purpose. That's so fun because when you share a memory, it triggers a memory for me that I didn't even think about how young my love for repurposing started either because my first dollhouse was a diaper box when my sister was a baby diapers were brand new like (laughs) disposable diapers and they came in boxes and I remember my mom helping me turn that diaper box into a dollhouse and gluing fabric on the surfaces and stuff Mm -hmm. so that's so cool so do you also like to garage sale I do I like to garage sale in Texas do you call them garage sales or the yard sales or um garage sales uh mostly yeah Mm -hmm. Thrifting, anything along those lines is right up my alley. I love that. 
Yeah, I love it too. I actually don't do it as much now because I have, I'm, I've been married long enough that after 30 years, I have all the things I really need. So now it's more of like a treasure hunt for just one or two things. Mm -hmm. But I remember when I was a newlywed, I stocked my whole house from garage sales. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I I think as we get older and have more stuff, we get a little bit more uh, particular about what we're, you know, bringing home. Um, Right. Don't have to be quite as desperate for just anything. So. Yeah. Stuff that I have to donate again because right. I was like, why did I buy this? I set yes. some rules actually when I was younger, when I was doing a lot more garage selling. I had to come up with at least three ways that I could use an item if I was going to repurpose it. Not, you know, like a toaster, you know, like I'm just going to. But if I was buying something that I was going to repurpose, I had to come up with three ideas because if I didn't have at least a couple, it it's just would sit on my shelf and I would not do anything with it. Right. So now I have to follow that, too, because there's still some someday things sitting on my shelf. Like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do with these doorknobs yes. that I collected, but I want to do something with them. Right. So Gina and I met, for the listener who's here, Gina and I met because we are uh, fellow writers. And I think it was through uh, a group called Word Girls. I think is that where we first really met through the Facebook group? Um, I think, actually, I, the first time I met you was, I think, when I went up to... Was it Iowa um, for a writer's conference? Did you oh, do music? I forgot there? about that. Yeah. You came along with a mutual friend. Right. And I was there doing all kinds of little odds and ends yes. at that conference. Mm-hmm. I forgot about So we actually met in person that first time. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that was a long time ago. I think your kids were really little. I think about like 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah, so they would have been babies, right. <laughs> just about. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so we have writing in common. And just over the years, I've learned parts of Gina's story. And and listener, I wanted Gina to come here today to tell some of her story, because this episode is airing right before Father's Day. And Gina has really a beautiful story of how God has reclaimed something in her life. So Gina, I'd like to go back in time a little bit and have you tell us a little bit about some memories of your dad. Oh, I have some great memories of my dad. Um, I think um, probably the most impactful, I guess would be the right word, um, memory that I have of him is that he was present. He was the breadwinner of the family. So he was uh, in sales and So his schedule would be kind of crazy. Sometimes he would work in the mornings and then sometimes he would work later into the evenings. But during basketball season, um, all three of his kids, um, we all played basketball and he made it a point to rearrange his schedule so that he could be at our ball games, but not just to be at the games, but he was a salesman in a electronic department of a store and he would uh, borrow the big camcorder, you know, that they used to wear on their shoulders, <laughs> yeah. you know, the huge one. And he would show up at our ball games with all the equipment and he would <laughs> video all of the ball games. And, um, I just remember him just making such an effort, you know, after he had worked mm. all day or with rearranging his schedule that he, he really tried to be available for his kids and to mm. be present. And, um, I just think, uh, that that probably has stuck with me the the most is that he really he put forth the effort you know that's and that's hard to do you know with with mm-hmm. trying to raise a family and provide for a family so and um, that would be one of my favorite memories we have another memory of course also related to basketball I hate to say but um, is um, that he would really challenge us to work hard to be the best that we could be now I'm five two 
and probably weighed about 110 pounds at the time that I was playing basketball. So um, I was not destined for a basketball career, but (laughs) he wanted us to realize that hard work would pay off. And so he would have us out at, uh, he, he, we had a basketball goal in our, uh, we lived in a cul-de-sac and had a basketball mm-hmm. goal at the cul- in the cul-de-sac. And he would tell us, uh, I want you to go out there and I want you to shoot a hundred free throws every day. And so he would go <laughs> out there and he would rebound for us and everything. Now, knowing I was not going to be, you know, yeah. a basketball star, but just <laughs> instilling that hard work, you know, uh, will pay off. And of course it did pay off because I was a little bit better on the court, you know, because I did that mm-hmm. now, you know, that, that work ethic that he uh, instilled in me is still with me today. So I love that. So it sounds like you had a close relationship. Yes. Um, again, I think, um, we were, uh, in the seventh grade, um, my parents took us out of school and homeschooled us. Now this was back in the day. This was the 80s, 1980s uh, era, and it was there was not a huge amount of people doing no. this at that time. And we lived in kind of a an area where there was some crime happening, and it was a little bit scary. And I think uh, that played into part of the reason, and then some um, spiritual reasons that my parents, you know, felt that that was the best choice for us. And so during that time, because of his work schedule, again, he was able to dedicate time that, you know, most dads don't have with their kids. Mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, and, um, that created a, a strong and close relationship. Um, and so I think that, you know, it, he made the sacrifice, you know, he didn't, he didn't have all the hobbies and things that a lot of dads have. Mm-hmm. He wasn't playing golf or things like mm-hmm. that. Um, but he really took that time and, and spent it with us kids. So. How old were you when your dad passed away? Um, I was, uh, eight, 18 years old. Um, and I was in college. I was away at college in Springfield, Missouri. And he had, he was a perfectly healthy man. He, he didn't have any health problems. And when, uh, the, the day before he passed away, actually, I had, had been on the phone with him and he had sounded perfectly mm-hmm. fine. And the next morning, about six o'clock, uh, my mom called, uh, of course, the phone ringing that early, uh, you know, kind of startled mm-hmm. me. And uh, I answered and she said that I needed to get home, mm-hmm. that there had been a, a, an incident with my dad. He had a horrible headache the night before when he went to bed and she uh, ended up having to call an, amb- an ambulance and um, take him to the hospital. And he was unconscious by the time he got to the hospital. And so they kept him on life support. He had had, had a brain aneurysm mm-hmm. and kept him on life support until I could get there. And then um, as a family, we gathered around his bed and just knew that doctors had said any kind of life that he had would just be a vegetable. And, um, and not that, that that wouldn't have been okay, but that we knew that for my dad, that's not the kind of life that he would have wanted for us mm-hmm. or for himself. And so uh, shortly around midnight, we um, agreed that we would take the life support off and um, he passed mm-hmm. away you know, pretty quickly after that. What was that like for you as a college student? Well, um, it was very, very sad. Uh, my mom and I are also very close. And um, I think I was old enough to kind of see just this devastation, you know, start sinking in with her. Um, I will say that immediately after he passed away, my brother and sister and I were out in the hallway of the hospital. And when my mom came out, the doctors had told us that there's a tone that they play when someone passes away and that we would mm. know when we heard that tone that he had passed away. 
And so the three of us kids were not actually in the room with him, but my mom was. And so we knew she would be coming out. And when she came out of that hospital, those hospital doors, um, she gathered us three kids and she said, the joy of the Lord will be our strength. Mm. And, you know, sometimes we have to remind ourselves that we have to rely on what we know, not what we feel. And that was a perfect example of that, where she knew the truth, that the joy would return. It would be our strength. But at that moment in time, you know, it didn't feel joyful at all, mm. you know. And um, so anyway, uh, I think that watching her um, was the hardest part of all of that mm. is that I loved him dearly and, and my brother and sister loved him dearly. But watching her go through that mm-hmm. was very hard at my age. And I wasn't, you know, I was going to go back to college and have to leave her. I was 700 miles away from home. That's what I and, wondered. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I stayed home for about a week. And then went back to college and I I had a very, very hard time that next semester, just um, making kind of sense of, you know, what was I, should I even be at college? Should I be back home Mm -hmm. helping, you know, and um, not being able to really grieve because of having school, you know, the pressure Mm -hmm. of school and work and everything. And so it was a very difficult time. Are you the oldest child? I am. Mm-hmm. My brother mm-hmm. is uh, three years or two years younger than me and my sister five years younger than me. So mm-hmm. they were both still, uh, you know, at home. And, and of course, you know, being homeschooled, um, which, mm-hmm. you know, really threw a kind of a kink in things. But um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that they were both still at home and, and I was away at school. So it sounds like you were raised in a family of strong faith. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Um, my parents both uh, grew up in church. Um, my mom actually rode the bus to church. A, a church bus picked her up, and she wasn't raised in a, a Christian home as a child, but that was available to her. So I have a special place in my heart for those people who gather kids up and bring them to church. They both, uh, you know, from the time I, I think, I think my mom said that by the, I think I was like four or five days old. I was in church uh, after I was born. So um, we've been in church all our lives and, and not just in church. I remember my dad sitting with us in the mornings before school started and reading the proverb of the day, um, you know, mm-hmm. that lines up with the date. And I remember going through that year after year being homeschooled and um, has, just he, he would tell us, this is where you get your wisdom from. You know, this is where you, so it wasn't just at church. It was integrated in, you know, every area of our lives. And were they perfect parents? <laughs> Certainly not. They would both <laughs> tell you they weren't, but they were um, a very intentional about our faith. Yes. There's probably someone listening who has lost their dad for, you know, maybe they have an estranged relationship or their dad passed away. What is it like in those, the father's days that come after that, what were the first few like for you? Very, very difficult. Uh, I would say, uh, that the first one, um, I was, I was home for the first one and it was just very sad. Uh, there, there was, it was heavy, very heavy. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm I'm sure some people might've been able to be like, let's, let's reminisce the good memories and all that, but Mm -hmm. that was not, that was not what we were doing. We just suffered, had suffered. It was such a loss. And I, I think, um, you know, my age also, you know, I, it was hard for me to look past the loss at that point. And there was for me, not really uh, anybody guiding me through the grief either. And so, I really didn't know how to grieve. And so those first few years of just uh, sadness and emptiness and, um, you know, a a lot of people go to church on Father's Day. 
that was the one, one holiday mm-hmm. my mom let us skip. <laughs> she was like, I don't, you know, everybody's rejoicing and celebrating their dads. Mm-hmm. And I know that's hard for you. Um, we went out of town. Um, one of the first, I can't, I think it must've been the second uh, Father's Day, but went out of town and just got away, you know, together as a family. And so, you know, there, I, I don't think there's a, a guidebook that tells you how to handle all those mm-hmm. first after, you know, mm-hmm. and so I think you just do what, um, is good for you and will take care of your heart. And I think that it would be in, in our, in our own way, in years later, we have celebrated, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I think that those first few, they're so, so delicate, those first few years mm-hmm. and your, your emotions. And um, it just, it was, it was difficult. I don't know. It was just very, very difficult and sad. And uh, mm-hmm. as, as time passes, I think grief gets, different. I don't think it goes away. I think it just gets different. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you, there's still days, even now, years and years later that I'll, I'll have a father's day that is just sad, you know, and, Mm -hmm. um, God has brought me so far from that, that 18 year old girl, but still, I think that something could happen, something happens and it triggers a memory or something Mm -hmm. like that. And you just, uh, have to, I think sometimes we want to pass through grief so quickly and we don't want to, uh, park there and allow God to, to soothe us, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that's what he wants to do. He says he's the father to the fatherless. And so um, he wants to, to take care of those, those pains and that grief that we have. Mm-hmm. So, so first couple of years were not, not good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, that you don't get a report card on those years, you know, mm-hmm. God, God, you just, you just pass through them, you know, so. Savannah Scribbles is a small business that turns your big ideas into reality. Using hand lettering and digital art, Savannah designs positive graphics for both print and digital use. With over 4,200 followers on her Instagram account, her artwork is shared around the world. She regularly designs custom work for clients, as well as ready-to-purchase products through her Facebook and Instagram accounts. If you need graphic design, stickers, logos, business cards, or other custom work, check out her work on her social media accounts and contact Savannah to get started with your big ideas. You'll find her on Facebook as Savannah Scribbles and on Instagram at Savannah Scribbles. your theme in life is reclaiming. So how did you find hope and where did you find joy in the middle of all of the grief that you have experienced through the years? Well, I, I think that as I've grown as a, a child of God in my own spiritual walk, that he has healed some of those places uh, that, that I was sitting in selfishly because grief can be, um, parts of grief can be selfish and that doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean that they're um, wrong. It just means that you just can't park there forever, you know? So as I grew, I think that uh, the Lord through his word, definitely that's the number one source. I would always say to anyone is that that is um, where he has provided the most hope for me. But I also had a college professor that my um, junior year in college, uh, I was, uh, getting ready to student teach and to, um, to, uh, 
get ready to graduate basically. And um, she came to me and my grades were just right on the edge. And she said, Gina, you've got to, you've got to deal with what's going on so that you can deal with the rest of your life. And it's really um, stuck with me, that phrase, because if we don't deal with what the God brings into our lives, the sad, the happy, the good, the bad, if we don't take time to deal with some of that stuff, then it's going to affect how we look at every other circumstance in our life. And at that moment, and even so probably now even more, um, those words just hit me as, you know, I can, I've had two years you know, to, to think about my dad's death and to, to process it, whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever people say, and Mm -hmm. I'm not completely whole. Um, but what can I be doing differently? How can I move forward? And, you know, it it was difficult because I was watching my mom navigate waters that she had not, Mm -hmm. um, navigated really my heart hurt for her. And I was engaged to be married. And I think the, one of the hardest things in that process of being engaged was knowing she did not have what I had anymore as far as um, that person in her life, you know, and um, even for the first few years after I was married, I just felt such sadness for her knowing that she had had this wonderful marriage with my dad, you know, 22 years they had been married and, um, and that she didn't have that. And so even, even parts of the grief that were not necessarily mine, I was carrying and there's, there's some good and there's some bad to that. You know, I definitely think God calls us to um, help carry the burdens of others, but there is also a time where you have to remember that he says he will carry our burdens Mm. and that we even have to give those burdens to him. And so I think through those, those first few years of, of really having to deal with what had happened and, and to the, the quickness of how everything had happened. He had been fine one day. There were so many things that I had to work through with God, you know, the whys and all those questions that you ask, you know, um, I did a lot of journaling. Um, I did a lot of reading God's word. I had that finally, um, you know, uh, a couple years down the road, I had that wise professor that said those words to me. And then, um, I just kept his memory kind of alive. I I didn't ever want to forget about all the good things that had, had happened. And God had really given me just this ideal childhood, like picture perfect, you know, and I didn't want to forget those things that he had brought to the table. We can get wrapped up in our bitterness and forget those things sometimes. And I didn't, I didn't want to forget him. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to forget what God had done. And I also didn't want to remember my dad in a negative way, I wanted, mm. I wanted to remember him in the, the, all the good things that had happened in our lives. So I happen to know there's a rest of the story. Yes. So I'd love to have you tell our listeners about how your mom found new love okay. and how that affected your life. Well, about, um, I guess about 13 years ago now, the, <laughs> I, I got a phone call and my mom was on the other end. And she said, I just want you to know that I've joined um, eHarmony. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> now, no offense to anybody who's done eHarmony. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, um, my mom was older and um, I was just thinking, what in the world? And she goes, um, yeah, one of my girlfriends suggested it. And she said, I just decided to do it on a whim. And I, I mean, I was like, okay. <laughs> and, and she had been single how long been by single, then? Um, let's see, almost 20 years. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. And she had, let me also say she had dated very little. Um, she had, she had not, um, she had raised her kids. Um, the Lord just opened, I'll say part of the reclaiming factor in all this is she had a high school education and the Lord just opened up door after door after door for her to have these wonderful employment opportunities in her church and um, in a hospital and then eventually as a counselor and um, in her church and then on her own. And so um, God had taken wonderful care of her and all of my worrying about who would take mm -hmm. care of her all those years mm -hmm. um, and how she would get by. God, God did his job. He did. He, he just was wonderful. And that other part of that verse about him taking care of the fatherless, he takes care of the widows too. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just so appreciative for that. But there was still a loneliness factor for her because, um, you know, the kids are grown and she's coming home, you know, every night to an empty house. And so um, she joined the eHarmony and she uh, had a connection on her account, I guess you could say. And um, it was it was Tom uh, is my stepdad's name now, but um, he lived 20 minutes away from her <laughs> down the street and um, he had been uh in active in his church his entire life. Um, he had, I mean, just an outstanding Christian man. And so they got together for coffee and ended up spending lots of time together and just getting to know each other. And um, later on that year, my mom, we were in town for an event and uh, my mom said, you know, I want you to meet him. I want you to, to I want to see what you, what you think. And so we got together and I mean, from the moment that I met him, I knew this was, this was going to work. This was going to be the one. And, um, and I'm so, I'm, I want to say this. I'm really happy that God didn't have a parade of men that we had to like approve or disapprove. You know, I think, I think God knew that we would just all know he was the one, you know, and for her. And um, I saw her, she was happy and energetic. And I mean, I hate to say more youthful, but she, I mean, just, there was a, a presence of youth about her that just, you know, just a happiness. And, um, we went over to his house, um, to have lunch, uh, and to just kind of really get to know him and everything. One of the days we were there. And, um, I remember vividly, we had, we'd eaten lunch and he, uh, looked at my kids and he goes, y'all want to go out on the four wheeler? And my kids were just so excited. They, I mean, they were, they were little seven and four, I think, or something like that. And I mean, they were just ecstatic and they went out with them. And, and I was thinking at that moment, I didn't realize how much I had missed not having a grandpa for them, you know, with my mom. And, and so even, you know, little things like that, that God was kind of just reclaiming in my life, just those little moments that I didn't even know that I had missed, you know, I, when I got married, my brother ended up walking me down the aisle and I knew I had missed that. You know, I knew I had missed mm -hmm. not having a dad to walk me down the aisle. And that was, you know, sad. But as you go through life, you sometimes don't think about all the other events, you know, the birth of your kids and, you know, just little things that, that they miss that you wish that they were there for. And I guess, um, you know, you get in the busyness of life. And at that moment, when he asked them to go ride that four wheeler, I was like, this is the best thing ever. You know, mm -hmm. so, um, Anyway, so he, um, they, they dated for a little bit and got married and, um, it, it's been, it's been wonderful. You know, he has provided a stability in our family that I don't think we knew was missing. He shows up when he's needed. I mean, he's funny and, uh, he's kind and generous. Um, but 
you know, a couple of years ago, uh, our family was going through a transitional time and it was very, very difficult. It's, it was a very hard time for everyone in my family. And, um, and he and my mom jumped in the car and came out and they were just there. They, there was nothing for them to do. They couldn't fix anything. Well, he did fix the exhaust fan in my bathroom. <laughs> but there was no, there was no healing that he could do. There was no, no, no making it better. It was what it was, you know? And, um, I remember just him being there was just so comforting. And um, then again, a couple of years later, um, we, our family was impacted by a uh, tropical storm Imelda and we lost our house, basically um, 90% of it. And within 12 hours of the storm, he, he and my mom were at our, our back door with a truck full of bleach and toilet paper and all the things mm-hmm. that you need when things go wrong. And, um, and, you know, he's just shown up. And I think that, you know, when you don't have that father figure in your life, you know, you get by God, God gets you by. That's not, that's not it. But I think when it pops back up, I think for, for me, it's been his presence at important times in my life that, that I could have navigated alone that I have a husband and he could have navigated it and you know we, we would have been fine but what a blessing that it's been and a comfort his presence has been in our in our family one of the things people have a hard time figuring out when you have a step parent as an adult is what do I call this parent <laughs> yes. so I think you have a special name for Tom right uh, we call him pop and um, that's what my, my kids call him. That's what all his his grandkids call him. So we call him Pop um, or Tom, you know, if, the, if <laughs> it's appropriate. But most of the time it's, you know, what's Pop doing? What is it for you? What has it meant for you as a daughter to have, you know, I, I, we don't want to imply in any way that having a stepdad is a replacement. This is a it's like um, God gives us fresh relationships that have meaning in different times of our lives. So what has it meant for you to have Tom pop in your life as an adult? I know you've kind of hinted at that, but a little bit from that father-daughter perspective. Um, well, I think that I think you're 100 percent right. We, I, I, I didn't need God to replace my dad. Um, he had given me a very good gift and I didn't need him to replace that very good gift. Mm-hmm. But God can give more than one good gift. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of how I feel about pop is that he didn't, um, God didn't replace my dad with him. He just gave me another good gift. And that good gift does not look the same as a childhood father looks like for a daughter. Um, mm-hmm. I don't need, you know, pop to pick up and scrape or heal, heal a, or put a bandaid on a, a wound. I, you know, I don't need him to help me learn to ride my bike or, or shoot hoops. I'm not shooting hoops <laughs> anymore, um, but as an adult, I need somebody to, ask questions to, you know, to, to get, um, he's, a, he's a very wise man, a godly man. So, uh, I need somebody to pray for me. Um, I need somebody, it's a comfort to me that, um, he takes care of my mom. It's a comfort to me to know that my mom's not lonely and that he's not lonely too. You know, on, on the other side of this is that he's not lonely also. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does look different. Um, I don't, I don't need what I needed when I was 10, um, as I'm almost 50 now. And what I need is, is more of a friend and a, a counselor. And, um, you know, he is, he didn't force himself into a relationship with me, which I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was there and he opened himself up for us and I was willing to take that path and to have that. And, and I understand that for everyone, that's, that's not always 
feasible, um, Mm -hmm. you know, for, for various reasons, but for me, that was the right thing for me to do. Um, it filled a huge void in my life to have him, um, step up and be present and to be involved. That's another thing is I just didn't realize how much that I miss not having a dad to just be involved with. And he, he is, um, interested in my life. He's interested in my family's life. Um, my husband has lost his parents in the last few years and he has stepped right in and been a friend to my husband. You know, my, he doesn't need a dad either, but he, Mm. but having that wise man who's walked these years that we're going through already and his, he was a faithful, faithful husband to his first wife and a good father to his children. So why, in my mind, I think, why would I want to miss that? I would be the loser if I, if I miss that. And, um, he has definitely, um, brought a lot of joy and, um, those, those times that, um, have been hard on us, he's brought joy. And so I think that for the person that's out there, that's lost someone and has the opportunity, like I have had, that it's worth investigating, you know, it's Mm -hmm. worth trying. Um, I realize everybody's not, not privileged. I I do feel like it's such a privilege and a blessing to have this situation, but I realize that's not everybody's story. Um, Mm -hmm. but if, if it is your story to, to walk through those and it didn't happen overnight, you know, it is, we've had 13 years now, but if you're open to it, it will happen a lot quicker. I will say, you know, that I think, you know, I, I just tried to be available and I, we've done some, um, intentional things to, um, try to help the relationship. We go on, um, lake trips together and we, um, I try to talk to him on the phone when I call to talk to my mom, you know, um, I, I have a conversation with him, we exchange gifts at the holidays. You know, I tried to remember Father's Day for him. So there's things that that we've done to kind of help it along. But um, you know, God had, God brought that gift into my life, and I don't I don't want to regift it. <laughs> I want to keep it. <laughs> I love that you describe the relationship as a second gift because that is a perspective that changes um, that hesitancy of uh, there's somebody coming into our family and, you know, playing a role that mom or dad used to play. Right. And so I, I love that. Well, I was just going to say that um, I, I was thinking about this the other day that so many times we miss a gift because it's not packaged like we think it should be packaged. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to miss the gift. If, if this mm-hmm. is what God's brought into my life, then I want to embrace it and to, you know, to enjoy it. And that's what God wants us to do is enjoy these relationships. That's wise words that you have, Gina, because there have been times I think I have missed out on something because I'm trying to put it into a box that it doesn't fit into. And I've missed relationships I could have had. And, you know, it it definitely takes laying down some of our desires and some Mm -hmm. of our pride to make that work. But that's on both. It goes both ways. Right, right. I would say, um, you know, even there are things as, um, you know, as 13 years have passed that things that I like and I don't like, and, you know, just, I'm sure as he's looking at me going, she's crazy. (laughs) Um, you know, uh, I, I said, uh, in, uh, in a, in a introduction for him, I said, um, he inherited a feisty, uh, daughter <laughs> when he, he got me, but, um, you know, he, he is also full of his own little idiosyncrasies that, you know, you can like or dislike and things that he did different are the same as my dad. And I can like, or dislike, but you know, it's like you said, laying down that pride and, and seeing the bigger picture of what God has provided for me right here. And the picture of unconditional love that Jesus 
portrays for us in the Bible. So it's like a, and our loving heavenly father, the unconditional love, it really is a picture of even when we don't have perfect relationships here on earth, we have this perfect example that we can use as a model for how to figure out how to work through the imperfect relationships we have here. Exactly. Yes. Gina, you have a resource in your book, so I want you to tell our listeners about Reclaimed and a little bit of uh, what they'll find if they pick up the book. All right. Um, Reclaimed is a devotional book, and it is um, built around the premise of just in our everyday life, there are things that we can reclaim. And if you look close enough, God is always trying to um, reclaim things in your life that the enemy, Satan, is trying to take away. And, you know, so what I did was I wrote down um, stories in my life that are, they're central to my life, but that I have seen God take little things um, and reclaim them. And each story is filled with uh, most, well, I would say most stories are filled with humor um, Mm -hmm. because I I tend to see life through a a humor glass, Um, but a lot of humor, a lot of hope. Um, It's filled with scripture. It's filled with um, a place where you can journal your own thoughts. Um, And um, each devotion is just meant to take you about three, four minutes to read each day. They're not, they're not super long, but just meant to encourage you to look at your life just through the lens of hope and through the lens of what is God doing around me? So we are so busy in this world that there are moments that if we don't carefully examine them, we will miss them. And, um, I think that as in my life, um, as a young mom, I wrote a lot of this when I was a young mom raising kids and I never, never in my wildest dreams thought I would put it into book form. But, <laughs> um, but um, so there's, there's things for, you know, kind of all ages and stages of a woman's life. I struggled with uh, fertility issues and um, I've been a pastor's wife for a lot of years. And so there's, you know, church life is mixed into all this, but, you know, in every area of my life, I can see God over and over and over. He is reclaiming little moments. Um, I have a story in there, one story in there uh, about even just um, my childhood pet, my, my dog, Sunshine, and how that even the story of getting Sunshine was a reclaiming story. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think that, you know, in our everyday life that um, if you're looking for something to just kind of help um, ground you a little bit and and kind of give you a good start to your day or a good finish to your day and to, you know, for you to motivate you to kind of think over what God has done in your day, that it's a great resource to have on hand. It's excellent, listener. I I encourage you to pick up Gina's book because if you're trying to figure out how to get into that mindset of how God can reclaim the difficulties in your life, which is really the theme of the Life Repurpose podcast, um, it's just this idea that if God can do it in Gina's story, he can do it in Mm -hmm. yours. And so you, you can just see evidence of God's hand and what he can do. And I also love, Gina, that you have their little reflection spot where people can journal because sometimes I read a daily devotional and then I just set it aside, close my Bible and I move on with my day. And this gives you that opportunity to stop and think, okay, what is God asking me to do now Mm -hmm. in my life as a result of seeing this Uh, same concept that Gina presents there. You also have some other freebies on your website. So tell us a little bit quickly about what they can find when they go to ginastinson.com. Well, you can find um, some updated devotions um, on my blog page, but you can also find some free resources. There's uh, some uh, screen uh, savers for your phone. 
um, that you can download. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know the name of that. Um, there's some uh, cute bookmarks that you can uh, use to keep your place in your books. Um, and there uh, is a, a page that it has 30 ways that you re- can start reclaiming every day. Um, and they're just little things that you can do in your life from making your bed to putting on your parachute, putting on a pair of shoes. I mean, there's some, some really simple things to um, some more uh, thought provoking things, telling your kids a joke or having your kids tell them, tell you a joke, um, <laughs> you know, different little things that can bring a little joy, a little humor that can help you start kind of just watching to see little things that God is doing in your life. And um, that's a free resource of download that you can print out. And then I have also um, a resource on there that's free on how to pray for um, our president, um, for our country. Um, it does not matter what political stance you view. Um, God has given us the opportunity to be involved through prayer for our leadership. And that's a way that we can reclaim our country. And so um, if you're interested in that, that's also a free download. And there's other um, little resources, mm-hmm. links to different places where I am online and I'd just love to have you come along. I will link to that in the show notes. But if you're listening and you want to just rewind, it's genastinson.com. So you can go there and find all the resources that Gina has. As we wrap up today, Gina, what do you want to say directly to our listeners who are listening right before Father's Day or right before a special occasion, maybe um, dad's birthday or a special event like that? What do you want to say to that listener who's in the shoes you were in 20 some years ago? Well, first of all, I want to say if you are uh, have just lost someone uh, that's had that father place in your life, um, that uh, God is there for you. Um, he does not leave us helpless. He provides a, a comforter. The Holy Spirit is there to to just join you in your suffering. That's one of the things is that we don't um, sometimes think about is that he joins us in our suffering. And so um, you're not alone. And so that would be the, the first thing that I would offer you some hope there. I would say that if you have gotten th- through the initial stages of grief and you're um, trying to figure out a way to um, pass on what if you had a great relationship with the father, there are things that you can do. A few things that um, I I think about are passing your traditions that you had with your father on to your traditions, incorporating those in your own home, your own family. I think um, that's fun to do. I also think that um, no matter what stage of the game you're in, if you've lost a loved one, that sometimes it's therapeutic to write a letter to them and kind of just mm-hmm. update them on your life. Now, I know, you know, we can <laughs> say they see or don't see whatever, but I think that for me, um, you know, kind of reminiscing my life with my dad through a letter um, brought some, just some comfort. You know, it was like, you know, I, I wish you were here to see this, but this is what's going on. And it's good for me um, to have those moments where I reflect on God's goodness also. And um, so I think that, that that is helpful. I think that talking about your loved one is, uh, is good and letting others know that you can talk about that loved one too. You know, um, one of the things that I appreciate about my stepdad is that he doesn't, he doesn't have any problem with us kids getting together and reminiscing about our childhood. And that's such Mm -hmm. a a nice gift that he gives us to be able to talk about him and to include him in our memories when we're talking about things that happened. And so I think, you know, if you can, you know, talk about your loved one and the the special things that um, you remember about them and that you did with them. I think that that's good and passing those on to your kids so that they have those memories also. I think that's, that's really good. But, but the main thing is, is if you've lost someone, we know that that's not something that you get over quickly and that Mm -hmm. God has all the time in the world for you to, Mm -hmm. to deal with that and to, and to take that to him. And also um, just a plug that, you know, a lot of times we need help 
getting through difficult times and that God has blessed many, many, many wise counselors out there, whether mm -hmm. it's through your church or whether it's through a counseling center. And that if you need help to reach out for that, that's, that's not weakness. That's yeah. courage to, yes. to step up and to, to take advantage of those resources. So I also want to just put that little plug in that, that God has given people those gifts to be able to help us during those times. Thank you so much for giving us a glimpse into how God has been reclaiming your life and for sharing that with my audience. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn. Check out tips, resources, and inspiration at michellerayburn.com to get the show notes for this episode. Each week, I share links to everything mentioned in the episode, graphics you can share, and guest quotes. I also invite you to join the Life Repurposed Facebook community for weekly conversation with others on the journey of discovering the repurposed life. Before you go, which friend needs to hear this episode? Share a link with a note to invite them to listen. And thank you for listening too.